Great. All right. Well, thank you, Jeremy. And uh, great to be part of a wider family of churches and encouraging to know we have people all around the world who are praying for us, and we can be praying for our brothers and sisters in Christ. And as Jeremy said, especially those in Ukraine, um, case it was a little bit glitchy at that point, but we have 14 Christ Central churches in Ukraine. And pretty much daily, I'm getting on WhatsApp updates from our pastors who are there. And as Jeremy said, just for security reasons, we're not able to share very much um, publicly, but we're in contact and sharing our prayers and sharing with them. All right. Well, last week, Gary spoke on prayer, and that's already been sort of the theme that's come through, even through what Gene and Krista brought during our worship time, and uh, just really a powerful time last Sunday. So if, if you, maybe if you missed it, go back to our live stream or on our ChristCentral.ca and see that. And Gary's talking about intercession and intercessory prayer and just talking about how Jesus and modeling that prayer, how he taught his disciples this whole aspect of your kingdom come and that we're asking for God's kingdom to come. And he used this definition of intercessory prayer as praying on behalf of somebody else or a situation. And he had this great quote from John Tyson saying that um, intercessory prayer is this, it's spiritual defiance in the way of what currently is. And I just love that. And just Gene was exhorting us and encouraging us saying, hey, you know, God's waking us up and there's awakening again for the power of intercessory prayer, that there's a defiance in saying, you know what, we're just not satisfied with the way things are in our lives, in our church, in the world around us, in our friends, in the nations, and so we're going to pray and we're going to seek God. And Gary's just talking about how we make ourselves available and how Jesus is our model for prayer, but Jesus lives to intercede for us today. So as I was preparing this weekend, um, finished my whole message, which I'm going to share in May because I just felt it wasn't the right one for today, and I just felt there was a part two from what Gary um, shared about last week regarding prayer and persevering prayer and that whole aspect of, as we've been saying, that God is calling us with a renewed sense of praying together in our own lives, and that's that part of that formation, but also together as a church family, whether it's small groups, large groups, and how God is restoring that joy and a burden for prayer. And we are just honest last week, just saying how a lot of our hopes and dreams and things that we thought have kind of turned to ashes, but out of the ashes, God is returning and restoring vision that He's given to us. So today in the Christian calendar, as Julia started off um, this morning, it's Palm Sunday, when we remember Jesus' entry into Jerusalem before His upcoming death and resurrection, and as we shared, we've got our Good Friday meeting this coming Friday at 10, and then our two meetings again next Sunday. So I'm going to ask, and we're going to read together here in a moment, Luke 19, and I was with um, Gabby and Santiago's life group on Thursday evening, and as we came to time to share about what our requests were for prayer, I just said, well, I really feel I need to speak on something else on Sunday, but I really don't know what that is. And so thank you, Daniel Thompson, because as I woke up Friday morning, Daniel had sent me an email, and he had written a message for me. So Daniel, thank you. And he even said, here's your sermon for you. And I was like, thank you so much. That was really helpful. And Daniel's just said this in one paragraph. He just said, it's Palm Sunday. And he said, as Gary spoke about last week, we had these expectations, and it didn't turn out the way we thought, but God was still at work. And look at Palm Sunday. Jesus came in and branches and everything, and a week later, they killed him. He's like, 
It doesn't get any more obvious that expectations and what happened, two different things, but God was at work. And it was hilarious. He's like, sermon written. There, you can tie those two things together. I'm like, Daniel, I'm going to do that. So thank you. So I'm just going to go to Life Group every week and say, let's pray about what to go on Sunday and the body speaks. I love it. All right. So this is what we're going to do. A little bit different, but I'm going to put the scripture up on the screen and we're going to read this together if you're able to read. Okay? So we get to read God's word together. So this is Luke 19. And are you ready for this? Are we good? All right, let's go. After Jesus had said this, he went on ahead, going up to Jerusalem. And as he approached Bethphage and Bethany at the hill called the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples, saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and as you enter it, you will find a colt tied there which no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, why are you untying it? Say, the Lord needs it. Those who were sent ahead went and found it just as he had told them. As they were untying the colt, its owners asked them, why are you untying the colt? They replied, the Lord needs it. They brought it to Jesus, threw their cloaks on the colt, and put Jesus on it. And as he went along, people spread their cloaks on the road. And when he came near the place where the road goes down the Mount of Olives, the whole crowd of disciples began joyfully to praise God in loud voices for all the miracles they had seen. Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to Jesus, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. I tell you, he replied, if they keep quiet, the stones will cry out. We're going to jump ahead. As he approached Jerusalem and saw the city, he wept over it. And when Jesus entered the temple courts, he began to drive out those who were selling. It is written, he said to them, my house will be a house of prayer, but you have made it a den of robbers. Thank you. So again, the context is Israel is looking for a Messiah, a Savior, a King, could it be Jesus? And there's lots of rumors going about, and there's excitement and wonder and some confusion and controversy and joy. Is the kingdom coming? Is it finally coming? And there's all kinds of different assumptions about what that kingdom was going to look like and who the Messiah would be and what the Messiah would do. And Jesus, through it all, had a really different perspective because he knew the Father's will. He knew what was coming. In Luke 19, 41, as Jesus approached Jerusalem and saw the city, it's interesting, everyone else is excited and it says this, Jesus wept over the city. And that's the phrase I felt God just wanted to highlight for this morning is Jesus wept. We can read this passage in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. So you kind of get different aspects of it as you read each of the gospel stories of this event. In John 12, 12 to 36, in the same message or in the same context, Jesus, John records this, Jesus replied, the hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. I tell you the truth, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. Now my heart is troubled. Jesus knew in the midst of all the excitement and expectations and assumptions, which he allowed, he didn't stop, but he knew a death was coming. 
There was no way around it. His perfect life would be sacrificed for the sins of the world, for you and me, everything that we are singing about in our songs this morning. And as Jesus prepared and everyone else was celebrating, it says this, Jesus wept. Folks, do you realize God was crying? Jesus is the Son of Man, Son of God, fully God, fully human. Jesus wept over the city. Jesus said, it is written, my house will be a house of prayer for all nations. If you read the full quote from Isaiah 56, 7, Jesus is saying, this is bigger than even for Israel. This is for all the nations. And the main thing I just want, felt on God's heart to share it's such a simple message is this, is that when we come to prayer, Jesus cares. God cares. I think that was already expressed through what Jean and Krista shared this morning. Jesus wept. There was a compassion. There was an empathy. There was a care. There was a concern. There was also just a being not contented with the way things were. And Jesus acted. He drove out those who were selling to restore and reestablish God's wills and God's ways. And here's the thing I just think will bring encouragement to us as we are more and more just being called to pray, is that Jesus faced and he overcame the, what we call the deadly Ds. So the deadly Ds are this, disappointment, discouragement, disillusionment, defeat, death. So just think about and Gary, I'm just tag-teaming what Gary already laid the foundation of last week. Jesus is our model for prayer. Just think what Jesus has gone through. Jesus went through the disappointments. Can you imagine Jesus, the most incredible teaching ever, miracle, signs and wonders, raising the dead, all kinds of incredible things, and yet most people completely missed it. Can you imagine like pouring out, you're obeying God, you're doing everything God's called you to do, Incredible, no one else, and yet people misunderstood him, misinterpreted it. People were always coming, trying to accuse him of different things. That's disappointment. <laughs> Discouragement. Can you imagine again, you're obeying God. You're doing everything the Father's revealed to you perfectly. And yet you know one of your best friends is going to betray you. One of your 12 is going to betray you, Judas. But even one of the three, your right-hand men, Peter's going to denounce you. Disillusionment, depending on how we sort of interpret John the Baptist who was sent ahead of Jesus to prepare the way and there's John the Baptist in jail sending his messengers to Jesus saying, are you really the Messiah? Jesus rejected so many defeats. We go from Palm Sunday riding in on a colt, praising Hosanna, palm branches. A few days later, beaten, rejected, mocked which led to death, not only death of vision, but a physical death by torture. Hebrews 4, 
14 to 16 says this. I believe we have that scripture. Guys, if we go to the next one. The writer of Hebrews says this. So that's the context that you have to understand. And we read this in Hebrews 4, 14 to 16. It says this. The writer says, Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, so Jesus died on the cross but resurrected, and then he ascended into heaven. We have a great high priest who ascended into heaven, Jesus the Son of God. Let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Whew! Jesus, the great high priest. In the Old Testament, there were always these high priests that represented us to God, and they had to sacrifice for their own sins and for the sins of the people. We don't need that anymore. Jesus is the great high priest. He was the sacrifice. And now he's risen, and he intercedes for us, as Gary was saying last week. He represents us to God in heaven, and he can empathize and sympathize with us because he was tempted in every way. He was tempted to sin, to disobey God, to reject God, to forget God, sexually, with money, with power, but also with this, with giving up, with forgetting God, dealing with disappointment and discouragement and disillusionment and defeat and death. He could have given up. He could have sat out. He could have played it safe. He could have called upon angels to come and to rescue him. But no, he obeyed God. He overcame. And the writer of Hebrews says, this is the Jesus who's interceding for us. This is the Jesus who's our great high priest. Therefore, we can hold firmly to the faith we profess. Because we're not just blindly believing. Our faith is in a person, Jesus Christ. And as Krista just shared that picture of how we, as parents, we run to the rescue of our kids when they're hurt. God's made access to him through Jesus. The writer of Hebrews says, Lynn, let us approach the throne of grace with confidence that we may receive mercy and find grace, folks. We can find strength and help and energy to help us in our time of need. So Gene Fallen can get up and say, I'm going through horrible circumstances. My husband is in agony close to death, every day. And yet I can come before the throne of grace with confidence that I can receive mercy and I can find grace. I can find strength to get through. Not only get through, I can find strength to even praise God. That I receive help in my time of need. If we continue in Hebrews, Hebrews 5, I think we have this one next as well, 7 to 10. The writer of Hebrews says this. So this is the context during the days of Jesus' life on earth, he offered up prayers and petitions with fervent cries and tears to the one who could save him from death, and he was heard because of his reverent submission. Although he was the son, he learned obedience from what he suffered, and once made perfect, became the source of eternal salvation for all who obey him, and was designated by God to be the high priest in the order of Melchizedek. During the days of Jesus' life on earth, he offered up prayers and petitions with fervent cries and tears. Folks, I get made fun of because you know what I have everywhere I go? A box of Kleenex. So I have my book bag, which would outdo any purse from any one. I've got more stuff in my book bag, ladies, than you do in your purses, but I can hide it because it's a book bag. And I carry a box of Kleenex everywhere I go. And everyone makes fun of me, but when everyone's crying, guess who they come to? 
because I've got the box of Kleenex. And why do I carry a box of Kleenex? Because I've learned over the years that it's good to cry. So when we gather together, almost every time, large or small, guess what? Somebody's crying. And it's good. And it's healthy. During the days of Jesus' life on earth, he offered up prayers and petitions with fervent cries and tears. Jesus wept. Folks, we can cry. Sometimes they're tears of joy. Hallelujah. Sometimes there's tears of sadness and grief. And we rejoice with those who rejoice. We mourn with those who mourn. And some folks, sometimes there's tears as we cry out to God. Jesus cried out with cries and tears. Jesus felt. Jesus was engaged. He was involved. He wasn't standing off even though he was God. Jesus wept. Jesus interceded. Folks, that's the Jesus who's interceding for us now, as Gary said in Hebrews 7, if we keep going through. That Jesus is able to completely save those who come to him because he lives to intercede for them. Folks, that's the God who's interceding for us. That's the model we have. That should encourage us that we can intercede. As I was preparing this, I just had this image come to mind. It's such a silly one, but it works. And it was just like, I was just praying as God, Lord, I just would love an image to be able to share. So the box of Kleenex was the image. <laughs> but this is the other one that came to mind. When we're in trouble and we're in emergency, what are we taught? Who do we call? What do we call? Who do we call? 911. When we're not sure if it's an emergency, who do we call? 811. Folks, what we're saying with intercessory prayer is that we're going to God, whether it's 911 or 811 or 411 or whatever one ones there are. If it's an emergency, we get to pray. A lot of times, I've called 911 many times. I've never called 911 for myself yet, thankfully. So I call 911, what am I going to do? I'm calling on someone else's behalf because they're not able to do it. And they're saying, do you have an emergency? Yes, I do. And I'm explaining what's going on and I'm helping the person. Folks, intercessory prayer is this. Sometimes people can't pray for themselves and we're standing in the gap and we're saying, God, we're calling on you. Yes, there's an emergency and we're asking for help. We're asking for guidance. We're asking for your intervention. Sometimes it's 811. Sometimes we're going, God, I'm not really sure what to do. I'm not sure if it's this or this or this or this. I'm not sure if it's an emergency. I don't know if this is normal. I don't know. I'm asking for advice. God, I need some guidance. Who do we call? We call God. Folks, it's the same answer. We call out to God. And we see this, that Jesus, who was the Son of God, learned obedience from what he suffered. 
suffering drove God further, deeper roots into his Father. Because, folks, suffering is going to come, and suffering can either drive us to God or suffering can drive us away from God. And Gary last week was so honest and just acknowledging there's been a lot of loss in all kinds of different ways and forms over the last several years, individually and together, primarily to do with people. People get hurt. I've hurt people. People have hurt me. And folks, we just, it's good just to be able to acknowledge and forgive and grieve and work through that process. But as we do that, as God heals us, God gets us back onto his purposes and plans. And we come back to understanding that Jesus is interceding for us today, that Jesus cares and he understands, that Jesus is our model, and we join with Jesus as he's interceding for his church and for this world. Now, I've got two other whole points. I think I'm just going to maybe leave it for there. Maybe I'll just quickly do my second point. You can put up the second one, because it's a good Don Smith quote. That's, uh, so Don Smith, I was talking to Don Smith this week, and Don was sort of a father to our church for many, many years, and Don's now 81, and he's in England, and so um, I Skyped Don. I think he's the only one still using Skype, but he hasn't quite figured out Zoom or FaceTime or anything, so we Skype. And uh, Don loves our church. He listens every week, so he knows more about what's going on in our church than probably most of us do. And uh, Don can be a bit um, firm, and he's a bit um, grandfatherly and a bit cranky as well, if I'm allowed to say it that way. And uh, so I was talking to Don this week, and Don was just saying, you know, what do you feel God's saying? I was just saying, oh, God, you know, like, we just you know, God's just reinforcing, we need prayer as the foundation. He's like, that's it, that's right. So that's my Don Smith imitation, because he's, bear with me. And Don's like, here's what you do. If you don't pray, what are you saying? And I'm like, uh, if you don't pray, you don't need God. Now, we're supposed to come from a grace-filled, let's pray because we get to pray, and let's pray because it's an invitation. But sometimes Don does the very blunt, if we don't pray, what are we actually communicating? We're actually communicating we don't need God. And it was a sobering thing. I said, Don, you're right. So I don't want to chastise us. I don't want to guilt us. I don't want to shame us. That's not what I'm coming from. But it is a bit of a wake-up call to sometimes say, my heart isn't to say, God, I don't need you. But when I look at my actions, my actions sometimes look like I don't really need God. And all we're trying to do in this whole series on formation and from Ephesians, understanding who we are in Christ, we're just trying to align our lifestyles and our priorities and our hearts along with Jesus. And so, in two weeks' time, on April 24th, so you can email me if you want to find out more, is we're just going to take some time that Sunday evening, and so this whole thing with formation, we're talking about the framework of life and how do we incorporate. I understand 
what we're going to do that evening is we're just going to look at some frameworks of life in some of our lives, just as an example of working through. And we're actually going to do a bit of a workshop of, hey, I have no idea how to get prayer into my life. Well, let's just talk about that. I have no idea how about reading God's word into my life. I have no idea about how ex exercise affects. So you're invited. You can email me if you want to find out more. But folks, it's not a guilt. It's not a shame. It's not a condemnation. It's a, hey, we have an invitation, but sometimes we've got to make some changes to our lifestyle in order to line up. So if you're able, why don't you stand? We'll we're going to close there. I'll ask the worship team to come. So church family, I believe God's message to us today is God wants us to be a praying church. My house will be called a house of prayer for all nations. We need to understand that Jesus intercedes for us and Jesus cares. I hope that helps us know that God is not a standoffish God. Jesus, when he was here on earth, cried tears in his prayers for God's kingdom to come. And that's what we want to be cultivated in us. And the awakening that I believe Gene is saying is prayer is the foundation that births everything else. And so we got a long way to go, but I'm excited because we see some signs of life in prayer and praying together in our own lives, small groups together. So God, I pray by your Holy Spirit that you would make us a praying church. God, we can't, Lord, we can't do that on our own, God. It's not our willpower. It's not our good wishes, Lord. We need your Spirit to motivate us and to encourage us, to prompt us, to give us energy and grace. God, we really do want to see your kingdom come. And Lord, we can't do it without you, God. Jesus, you said, without you, everything's impossible. But with you, God, all things are possible. So Jesus, I thank you that you care. Thank you that you're interceding. May we join with you, Lord, in praying and asking for your Father's kingdom to come, his will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. Lord, for your glory, for the good of those around us, Lord, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.